1: All right, here we go. It sneaks right up on you. The Birds 365 boys are here with you on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. That would be Mac Mac. Yours truly, Jody McDonald, with my partner, John McMullen. How
2: are you this morning, JM? I'm doing well, Jody. Uh, probably not as well as most Eagles fans. Another domino falls, and as we expected, boy, that was oof, that was in every bit the ugly performance I expected to see from the New York Giants. And by the way, they're next on tap. It's exactly. all it's all coming up, Eagles.
1: It surely is. Um, and it looks like both you and I just got back in from walking the dog. I got yeah. a. Uh, it's cold out. Uh, shirt on you got a, a hoodie i don't think we've ever seen the mc uh, the McMullen hoodie look before here on birds 365 well
2: it's it's turning in a hoodie season so you're gonna see it a little bit more i would think all
1: right. look, looking forward to
2: that all right uh you and
1: i were here yesterday uh basking in the glow of the eagles victory against the saints and one of the things i ran by you because once again the philadelphia and this is not a night we we kid because we care and we can um pimp the Eagles a little bit yesterday because they announced Dallas Goddard's contract extension and um, the contract extension for their ace, the uh, inside cornerback, uh, and Mr. Maddox. And they do so on a Friday. So we can't get a chance to comment on it. They wait till we finish up our show yeah. and
2: then they make their Monte was on a Saturday. Dallas was on a Friday, at least. Uh, you know, Saturday's really bad, but Yeah, now it's T.J. Edwards, and we were talking about him on the show and talking about. I asked you yesterday, would T.J. Edwards
1: be a guy that they would think about extending? And you rightfully said, "Well, maybe, but they don't need to because he's only a restricted free agent. They can put a tender on him." Well, no, they said we don't need to go down that road at all. The guy's doing a good enough job for us. Glad to see Howie Roseman was listening to Birds Three Sixty Five yesterday morning and. Popped into action and got it done. Uh, One-year extension for T.J. Edwards, uh, $3 million, $2 million and change guaranteed. Good compromise deal. It's above the right-to-match tender and below the second-round tender, which if they had put that out there, it would have been close to $5 million. They got a nice compromise deal done right in the middle. That's one thing that Howie Roseman just gets to take off his plate. And it's a uh, factored-in cost for next year under the salary cap. It's Howie Roseman doing good. Howie Roseman business.
2: Yeah, it is, and that's basically how I described it when I wrote about it. it, it it's basically what you know for uh, to for layman's terms. They basically went early and got a little team-friendly deal on what would have been a second-round tender, and that's pretty good for an undrafted kid. You know, if you if you're fast-forwarding. And and you're in the off season, and you say, okay, we got to keep T.J. Edwards, uh, and and again, there aren't a ton of uh, offer sheets in the NFL, but there's occasional offer sheets, and you got to put tenders on guys. You could put what's called an original round tender, which if somebody's drafted in the second round, you put an original round tender. But if somebody is undrafted, you can put a second or a third round tender on them um and and go about it that way and it's pretty evident that uh they value tj edwards and they want that extra mom they got it done and they got it done early and they got it done a little bit cheaper than they probably would have done if they had to wait a couple months so yeah we've been talking about this for a while because of the extensions the one thing i never worry about howie roseman is signing bad contracts in the moment and by that I mean, it's always going to make sense in the moment. Now everything in the NFL always involves players succeeding or failing. Sure. So if a player fails, and and in this case it's not that big of a deal, but <clears throat> a higher price player, if that higher price player fails. Well, nobody cares if the contract makes sense in the moment anyway. Uh, so that's how you ultimately get judged, but the guy's not signing bad contracts, Howie, right? He's just not. The only one that came to mind, I mentioned this yesterday here on the show, he's talking about it with Jander,
1: our producer before the show was Alshon Jeffrey. Um, they decided to extend Alshon when they didn't need to extend Alshon. And as you just correctly pointed out, well, it only comes to light if the player fails. Yeah. yeah Alshon kind of failed. And yeah. that was a, miscalculation by Howie Roseman. He has many more hits than misses. Alshon was a pretty bad mess. and it was a big enough contract that it uh, hurt the Eagles under the salary cap for years to come, not just one year, but years to come. When when it's a bad deal for multiple years, that's when it's a really bad deal that you sign and how he did go down that road with Alshon Jeffries. But this is a one year deal. It's just a fixed cost thing. You know what you got to pay T.J. Edwards. It could have been even more if you waited and he finished up the year really strong. You would have been yeah, we better throw a second round tender on this guy or someone is going to come in and give him a big enough offer that we might have to pause before we match it. I just thought it was very smart football business
2: by Howie Rosemary yesterday. Yeah. And the other part, and Nick Sirianni kind of mentioned that as well is you know, and it's not his job, but it does send a message to the locker room. Look, if you perform, we're going to reward you. And same thing with Dallas Goddard more so and uh, Avante Maddox. And, you know, if you're a successful part of the team and you develop, it doesn't matter if you're undrafted, uh, you're going to get rewarded by this organization. So that's always uh, a positive part to it as well. Uh, Most teams would just wait and, yeah, it's not going to be probably a big deal either way, but I do think it's a little bit of an oomph to say that the Eagles have been really the leaders in the NFL in this kind of thinking. Uh, in the fact that you target players early, uh, price tag never goes down. So Joe Banner always said he was the one who kind of instituted this policy in this organization, and he's right. Price tag never goes down, and if it does go down, it's because the player stinks and yeah, it doesn't reason really matter. There's for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you mentioned Nick Sirianni and him pointing out that, hey, guys, you get the job done, you take care of us, we'll take care of you, which is a smart way to do business. Um, he certainly had his uh, post-game press conference and then again yesterday. Uh, I want to go back to uh, Sunday, uh, above and beyond what he said yesterday. And I asked you yesterday, how many times would he would he re-reference the flower, uh, roots are taking hold here in Philadelphia? Would he go doubling down yesterday? How many times he would go dog mentality? Well, prior to yesterday, he had uh, entered a new catchphrase, or at least something you can acknowledge that uh, he said into the mix, that the Philadelphia Eagles are a nasty
3: team. That
1: this is a nasty squad that they put together here in Philadelphia. And I don't want to rain on anybody's parade here because the Eagles are playing well a little later in the show. I'm going to lay it out for you how the Eagles are not only going to make the playoffs, the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just telling you there's a possibility that it could happen. It's not a zero percent possibility. But are the Eagles a nasty team, John? You've been watching football teams, not only the Philadelphia Eagles here in town. Certainly, early iterations, uh, teams in other towns. Is this
2: a nasty NFL team? Well, I, it depends how you take that word. I mean, he's been talking about it for. i mentioned it on the show because I, you know, I i talked to him about it, and and one of the things that um, he was upset about early was early in the season when he was taking all the hits, uh, people were referring to this team as soft or or a finesse-like team. He did did not like that. He did not like it. He didn't think it was true. Uh, He thought it was an unfair criticism. And that's where this whole, we got to be more physical, we got to have more physicality. Gardner Minshew correcting him on the use of it. Um, that's where that all started, and that's where you saw the shift on defense. It was really T.J. Edwards and and, and Davion Taylor as well. Is going to be out for a couple of weeks now. Again, injuries continue to plague him. We'll talk about that at some point as well. But and then offensively, it's obviously the offensive line. And now, I mean, Lane Johnson. He's always been tough. Jason Kelsey's always been tough. We know Jordan Mailata is the biggest kid on the block. So, I mean, he just beats people up. Um, and then you have the young guys on the offensive line. And what they do well is, especially Landon Dickerson, I mean, he's, he's a monster too. People don't realize how big he is. And, you know, sometimes he struggles in pass protection. But when he's going straight ahead, he's pretty physical. And the comparison with him was Ryan Jensen coming out of of, of college. You saw him last night, maybe the most physical uh, center in the league down in Tampa. So there was a there was a a a real effort to 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 make people know that this is a physical team. Nasty, uh, nasty. I think of Conrad Dobler. You'll yeah. get that, Jody. Nobody else will. Uh, uh, Montez Burfict. I don't think they're a nasty team. That's the word he decided to use because I guess he kept saying physical too much over the past couple of weeks. But I think he means more of physical. And they have been a very, very physical team as they've turned this season around a little bit.
1: Well, I'll both uh, cut the coach some slack, but also give him some grief. Because I just blatantly disagree with his use of the word nasty. Now, again, you and I have been watching the National Football League long enough to remember, like Conrad Dobler, when there was a time you could be nasty in the National Football League. There was that much more physicality in the game. They've kind of legislated physicality out of it with
2: penalties. They've tried Mm to. They've certainly tried to. But you You, can't. you You don't think they've succeeded? No, well, I think they've succeeded a lot in the in the back end when it comes to skill position players, when it comes to secondary. When it comes to the offensive line, defensive line, and I should have mentioned the defensive line as well, Physical, most physical team usually wins. Uh, the one that opposes their will wins uh, the line of scrimmage, and that's the strength of the Eagles. So they started playing to the strength of their particular roster, um, you saw it last night with the Giants. I, I've said this so many times. I mean, Daniel Jones is terrible, and we could say Daniel Jones is is and and some of those throws were just abysmal. And then I started – I go, this offensive line is embarrassing. I mean, I get kind of a David Carr vibe with Daniel Jones. I don't know if he can play at all. And he's and by the way, now he's done. He's shot. Because he's been behind this offensive line for so long and he's so skittish and he's seeing ghosts. And, you know, it all comes together in the fact that when you see a really, really bad offensive line, and last night you saw a really, really bad offensive line against, by the way, or maybe the best defensive front in football. So, and they didn't have V to V even, but um, you, you see how ugly it can get. So I do think you can still be physical on the offensive and defensive line. But I think you're right. The Jack Tatums of the world will go to another one. They don't exist anymore. They can't exist. Nope. And, And even, you're right. If you're talking about the five
1: offensive linemen against the four defensive linemen, that's still an area of physicality in the NFL. They've taken linebackers out of it, too. If we were just talking about on the extremities, outside the numbers, they want the skilled players to win. They don't want it to be physical in nature. Let's show off our athleticism. Let's legislate it that way. Okay, fine. You can't hit anybody over the middle. And I'm talking about four yards from the line of scrimmage. I'm not talking about a defenseless wide receiver who's trying to go up uh, with 46-inch vertical leap. Well, you cut his legs out underneath him, you could do serious damage to the guy, might get up and not ever be able to walk again. Daryl Stingley, um, no, you can't even hit anybody over the middle. No, you, you can't, can't even, yeah, hit- that
2: they definitely taken out of the game. Uh, no question about that, and uh, you know, we know why, and it's under the the, the banner of, of safety, safety, but right. you know, it's, it's really about legislation and and covering your you know what uh down the road um and you know i've always said you know football's a violent game you can't uh, you can't legislate the violence out of the game no matter how much you try people are going to get hurt people are going to get injured um, if you don't want to get hurt or injured don't play football pretty easy decision most guys understand that cost-benefit analysis but i agree with you they've taken All of that on on the back end. The only place that matters is up front on both sides of the football. And you bring up linebackers. That was interesting because Eagles fans, we know. know, You know even better than me because you've been on the air for so many years in this particular town. Run the football. Run the football. Run the football. Run the football. They're running the football now. So it's nirvana for all these fans for all these years. And you mentioned the linebackers and all these hybrid guys and all these underside guys and all these king-size safeties. And I've been wondering. I thought it would be Belichick, and at times it has been Belichick, where I always say you zig when everybody else is zagging and people are starting to run the football. Well, you know, Eagles fans love to send me notes about the running game. Carson Wentz had 160 yards passing and a win. Tyrod Taylor had 107 yards. Joe Burrow had 148. Uh, Baker Mayfield had 176. All these are wins. You know, Aaron Rodgers is perfect. 385, four touchdowns, and he loses. And it's the worst example ever, I told this particular fan. Because Rodgers, you know, he's down in the game. He needs a touchdown. Oh, 75 yards and a touchdown. And I said, it's far easier because fans hate Jeffrey Lurie's sentiment, thinking it's my sentiment. But Jeffrey's right. It's far easier to win with Aaron Rodgers than Tyrod Taylor winning 107, throwing for 107 yards. Doesn't mean you can't do it, it just happened. But in a larger sample size, Aaron Rodgers is the guy that wins 70% of his stinking games. That's the point. And But you can go about things different ways, Jody. And right now, the Eagles are built. They're not built to win games like Aaron Rodgers is. They're built to win games by taking advantage of their offensive line and physicality. And to their credit, they're doing it. Right. But the margin of error is small. You mentioned uh,
1: what Eagle fans want to see and Eagle fans like winning the football even more so than running the football back to the physicality uh, nastiness aspect of the conversation, two linebackers. And again, yeah, I've been covering Eagles for 30 plus years now, two linebackers who are more beloved than any running back during the last 30 years here in Philadelphia. One set joiner, He's still on the air commenting on yeah. the Eagles 20 wow. years after the fact that people take what Seth say as gospel. That's and true. And the other is Jeremiah Trotter. People just love the fact that Jeremiah Trotter was a nasty football player. I don't know how many nasty football players the Eagles have right now. Nick Sirianni seems to think his locker room is full of them. I'm not sure of that. Oh, I know for a fact Jeremiah Trotter was a nasty football player. That's what Eagle fans like. Guys who can more so than even run the ball. Give me a defense that's going to hit somebody. That is at the base of what Eagle football is. Oh, I agree. Look.
2: I agree with that point. I agree with your overriding point that that player doesn't exist anymore. That player can exist. It, the the tough, the physical, and again, I just think he you used the wrong word, to be honest. The tough and physical part of it can still exist on both sides of the line of scrimmage, but just on the offensive and defensive line. That's it. That's it. So, uh, and oh, by the way, if that's the case, who's nasty on the Eagles' defensive line? Well, uh, you know, Fletcher Cox is pretty nasty when he gets going. Uh, Javon Hargrave is pretty nasty when he gets going. Derek Barnett might be nasty. He might be the only nasty player on the team as far as towing the line of 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 doing what you're supposed to do. You know, the Conrad Dobler line, we'll call it. For for the old school that people aren't don't know what we're talking about, he's the one on this player that toes that line probably the closest to be honest. Yeah, I don't know that uh, there's a nasty one in the bunch.
1: There are some very talented players. And... Cox
2: is pretty stinking nasty, Jody, because he hasn't performed up to his usual uh, uh, standards and what people expect him. Talk to the offensive linemen. They don't like dealing with Fletcher Cox. Well,
1: I think he's talented. I still think he's got game. I just don't know that I would uh, describe it as nasty. I, I just have a difference of opinion on what I see as nasty and what apparently Nick Sirianni sees as nasty. All right, we are the Mackle guys. You got us here on Birds 365 getting and putting the big win against the Saints in the rearview mirror, starting to look ahead to the Giants and just the Philadelphia Eagles overall we got two good guests to talk about the birds today first up is going to be Hunter Brody of uh, Broads Media 97.5 The Fanatic a little later we we'll get Les Bowen up here so you want to stick around there's no reason for you to go anywhere else than Birds 365. <laughs>
6: Toughest injury time in Philadelphia.
7: On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: On three. One, two, three. Because
7: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
0: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
4: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half?
3: You... Could say that.
1: You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Bird Street sixty five, McMullen and McDonald joined by Hunter Brody, who looks like he's ready to talk some Eagles with us from Rhodes Meeting in 97.5, The Fanatic. How you doing, Hunter?
2: What's up, guys? Thanks for
1: having me again. How are you?
2: There he is. I like, that's what I want. I want that energy, Hunter Brody. That's what we have in Philadelphia right now. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, yeah, what have you been hearing about this fan base, the Philadelphia Eagles, and all of a sudden, we've gone in a couple weeks span, Hunter, from the coaches one and done. The quarterback can't play. He's awful to playoffs. Jim Moore, playoffs.
8: Yeah, you know, classic. I'd say that's the classic reaction we normally go through here. Um, look, you know, it's it's very uh, just from an entertainment standpoint. Look, I think the first couple of weeks it started. At least for me, it was like, oh god, this kind of feels like the end of Doug Peterson a little bit, where they just weren't competitive. They were getting blown out. It looked incompetent offense kind of struggled at times and then when they look decent the defense was struggling at times but you know they kind of turned it around here and I got to give a lot of credit it starts with Nick Sirianni really establishing you know the strengths of this team they said that in the beginning I don't think they really coached that way and then they realized look the trenches that's our bread and butter let's work with it especially with that offensive line so you know I just to start off here I guess we just really got to credit the coaching staff for uh, dialing up new things and, and Gannon bringing the pressure on third down and bringing Avante Maddox, Alex Singleton, putting pressure on these quarterbacks. And, you know, I, I do think from the defensive standpoint with Gannon, there's no threat. So he doesn't feel nervous about maybe sending that blitz. Will it look different if, if there's a different style of quarterback, maybe. But if you look at the rest of the schedule, there's none of those quarterbacks until the last game of the season. So
1: um, it sets up for a nice little run here towards the backstretch. Brody, when the Eagles were struggling early on, John mentioned the coach could be one The quarterback's not good enough. Those conversations were being had. One thing that we continually said here on Bird 6, 365 was, but, comma, they are playing hard for the coach. Even when they were getting beat, they play all 60 minutes and it would never be a lack of effort every once in a while, stupid penalty, which was kind of on the coaching staff, but it never showed itself in effort. They never looked like they gave up or quit on this coach, which was a good sign. Now that they've got what they need to do figured out, that effort is going a long way with the Eagles.
8: Yeah, I love that. And actually, I just brought this up the other day and I don't want this to be looked down upon in a bad way about the coaching staff, but there's a common denominator over the last few years. And and under Doug Peterson, they were four and six and then five and seven. And then they crawled themselves out of it because they didn't give up on Doug Peterson either. So when this, you know, this happened again now with a different head coach, they're a part of it, no doubt. But it just says a lot about Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, even though he's not playing, I'm sure he's still active in there. And Darius Slay, it says a lot about the leadership of this crew. And I really don't want that to be looked down upon on the coaching staff because they do have a big role of it. But I think what this really shows me now that, you know, that the common denominator are some of these guys in the locker room, how much that they really have a say in, in the way that this motor keeps going, no matter how poor it is at times. And it's the professionalism, I think, of uh, some of these guys. And ironically enough, they're the the uh the anchor of this offensive line that's really plowing through right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, plowing through to say the least. Two hundred rushing yards, uh, three of the past four games. This is nirvana for Philadelphia fans. Run the football, run the football, run the football. This is the best rushing attack in the NFL right now. I think they're number two overall. They've climbed, but over the past four games, it's been unbelievable. And look, Miles Sanders is a good back. We saw some of the talent as he came back. Ball security, maybe some issues there. Jordan Howard has been running very physically. He's probably not going to be available for the Giants game. But next in line is the Giants killer, Boston Scott. These are all good football players, but they're not great running backs. They're not Derrick Henry. They're not Dalvin Cook. They're not Christian McCaffrey. Jalen Hurts is the reason this team is so dominant in the running game. Is that sustainable? We always talk about this with, with quarterbacks who touch the football a lot. Hits are going to come. Is this sustainable long term?
8: It's a great question. I mean, 50 runs. It's it's funny. Everyone wanted balance, right? Whether they were yeah. passing the ball a lot. This isn't balance either, but everyone's <laughs> satisfied with it. Um, I Look, I, I have questions about Jalen Hurts and the arm and all this, and I think it's fair to question it because when you're throwing the football, whether it's 19 times or 20-something times, you do question if this is going to work, and then you can also say if the Saints can't stop you, Who is going to stop you, right? That's like the other side of things. What I do know is for the short term, this is going to work. And for the long term, we might have some questions, especially if you're only two weapons in the passing game is Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. You're going to have to somehow implement more guys throughout. But when you're not passing as much, there's not as much opportunities for other guys at the same time. So um, in terms of is it sustainable, I think for this year it is, especially because I mentioned the schedule as well, to maybe sneak into the playoffs and have a little bit of excitement. Uh, I, I, with the quarterback, it's like I'm starting to turn around on it more and and believe in this kid more each week as he's progressing. And with Lamar Jackson, and I'm not they're, – they're two different style of runners, obviously, but the point of the idea with this offense that the Ravens – Put together for him was like it's different. It's not the same. It's not the the pocket quarterback. And maybe that's part of their struggles in the postseason. And maybe it won't work for them to go get that championship. But the idea of their sustained success built around something different in its own way that isn't the the pocket passer with the the big arm. Maybe there's something to that identity that can work in the favor of Jalen Hurts. Where maybe this can work as the franchise guy. And I'm starting to turn more um around to it to be honest with you but I still don't know I still have my concerns so I don't know if it's sustainable but
1: for the short term I think it is all right let me follow up on sustainability you touched on it Hunter Devontae Smith do a nice job getting open catching the ball Dallas Goddard getting some separation catching the ball and then there's everybody else can you have a season where you have two options in the passing game. That's what it's been the last couple of weeks. Either throw it to Smith or throw it a guy or don't throw the ball. Let Jalen pull it down and take off and run. Who can step up? Who can be that third guy? And I don't think anyone's gonna get close to the top two, but who can step into that spotlight as the third option and catch a handful of balls a week? I'm not talking six or seven, but three would be nice to give you a little balance in your passing game, other than in your top two receivers.
8: If you're looking for negative yards, I think we know our guy, Jalen Rager.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a shot goal. You know,
8: I, I did hear something interesting, and I don't believe it, but it's, it's just an interesting perspective on it. It's like, all right, Jordan Howard was on the practice squad, right? And then now it's, why was Jordan Howard not caught up week three, week four? Like, what took so long? And then I heard this take the other day, and it's just, I don't believe in it. It's just interesting. That's all. It's like, is Greg Ward someone that is being hit on the, you know, not being utilized a lot. And maybe he's someone that you could say the same thing about Jordan Howard. And I'm not going to bet my mortgage down on it. But, you know, just knowing that that has happened throughout this town. TJ Edwards, it was Alex Singleton and Eric Wilson for a long period of time. Here's someone who lacked some playing time and now he's doing well. So I don't know. I mean, my my easy answer would be Quez Watkins, but you could tell he's still raw. He's got the potential. There's still a lot to learn, but with the route tree and all, I think that there's some things that he's struggling with. So uh, my answer would be Quez Watkins. I think that's the safe answer. I'll give you the safe answer, but uh, I don't know. Like, is there something to Greg Ward? Is that crazy? Three, to make Greg
1: Ward.
2: Yeah. yeah I know. I
8: love you, Brody. <laughs>
2: Jody. Jody is a huge Greg Ward guy. Yeah. I, you know, John Hightower, who knows, but yeah. uh somebody like that, I hear, you know, I asked Nick Sirianni that about, Uh, only two receivers getting the targets he kind of stumbled look Jalen Rager's not happy I can say that uh, officially on birds 365 but he hasn't deserved uh, the playing time either so it's interesting and this brings me to my next question Hunter and the fact that Let's play this out. Let's say the Eagles make the run. The Giants, we saw the Giants last night. They are god-awful on so many levels, from the GM on down. Um, I find it very hard to believe the Eagles aren't going to beat that football team. Then you have the New York Jets. Uh, Close your ears, Jody. Uh, That's a bad bad football team. But you know that better than anybody else. And you move on, Washington. Joe
1: Joe Flacco, not happy the Eagles traded him. Very motivated guy. Very A couple motivated of weeks
2: from now. Yeah. yeah, Very motivated. Washington football team. Maybe they have some issues. That'll probably decide. But let's say they make the run, they make the postseason. They're the seventh seed. Is that better than answering the questions? If you still, if you're Howie Roseman and you're saying, um, "Do I have to build around Jalen Hurts? Do I have to look at Kenny Pickett? Do I have to trade for Russell Wilson?" I made the playoffs. So does that make Jalen Hurts my guy? Is that good or bad long term? To sneak in and get waxed by, say, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so, in the first I, round of playoffs.
8: Yeah, no, I, I would say that it's a positive. I know that's a big debate right now. It's like, would you rather lose to get the draft picks or would you rather get uh, the the experience? And I'd say I'd rather get the experience. I don't think. Look, it's not the NBA. It's not basketball. It's not uh, the the process with the Sixers. It, it's meaningful to learn about Nick Sirianni in high pressured situation. You're on the road. What's his game plan going to look like? If they do get waxed, they get waxed. But I feel Jalen Hurts is one of those competitors where if he gets waxed, don't you think that his offseason is going to be even more motivated, more determined to get better and all this? And I'm not a Howie hater by any means. I actually fall in the category, it seems like a lover, which is not the truth either, but I just don't despise the man like other people do. And with him, it's like, I, I do feel Um, he's made moves in the past to go get a quarterback to go get Carson Wentz. They didn't have three first round picks to do that. So there's other ways to find your guy if you do, because I I believe that Jalen Hurts has done enough this year to at least deserve another opportunity and you utilize maybe those draft picks to help build the defense a bit, maybe help go grab that wide receiver, another high draft pick on the wide receiver who knows how the board falls. But um, I just think that with the way Jalen Hurts has played, they sneak into the playoffs there's something to be said about him earning another year. And if he ends up not being the guy after another full season, and you realize that, Hey, there's just a cap that there's a ceiling that they just can't get over because of his limited skill set. There are other ways to get that quarterback. And it's not as if there's a Trevor Lawrence sitting there this year, that it's a no brainer. If you're going to take a flyer on a 50, 50 guy, and maybe it's not 50, 50, maybe that's unfair to some of these guys coming out, but what's Jalen hurts right now. Seeing that same percentage of hit rate as maybe some of these guys you're looking at. So, I don't look at it as a negative at all. I only look at making the playoffs, especially this early in a new tenure here in Philly with some young coaching uh, people like Brian Johnson. You know, like I think he's a smart football mind. All these guys getting that experience on the sidelines, I think is extremely valuable. So I don't see it as a negative in any way.
1: Right. And here's the other thing that you need to factor in when evaluating. What would be better for the Eagles to lose here at the end or win and sneak into the playoffs and then get it handed to them the first round? He had three first-round draft picks, not just one. If they just had their own draft pick and they're moving up and moving up, oh, they're not uh-huh. going to be able to get a start. But they got the Dolphins. They got, they're going to get the Colts pick. I know it isn't locked in yet, but you can go ahead and lock it in. It's going to happen. They're going to get that pick. So if there is a player that they specifically want, if Howie Roseman's good at two things, number one, it's locking up players to contract extensions. Number two is his maneuverability in the draft. Now then – actually calling the right name that comes into question but uh he's very good at playing the Monty Hall let's make a deal during the draft he can get a position whoever he want, whoever he wants to get with the assets he's got in place so no let's go ahead and win and give these players a reason to believe in themselves going forward into 2022. I, I can't agree more then
8: you kind of look at and look once again like I'm not sitting here and dying on the Howie Roseman Hill but if you just think of like we- we're-, we're loving this offensive line right now well their right guard, their left guard, and their left tackle, I mean, these are players, and Lane Johnson's only 31, but I'm just looking at the youth, like Landon Dickerson turned it around a little bit after struggling the first few weeks of him getting some action, Jordan is going to be here for a long time, like, his fingerprints are on this offensive line that everybody is loving and saying is one of the best offensive lines they've seen, and how dominant they are, so I just think, like, cool the Jets on the whole Howie thing, and uh, you know, like Devontae Smith and Lander Dickerson, that's a good start to this new draft, even though it's way too early to to, to make an assessment and fully dive in on. Is it an A plus? Is it a B? Is it a C? Whatever it is, you know, all around. I just think that, um, you know, I, I trust the direction that they're going in on this this little turnaround and they're set up for success. Like I feel to a degree, they started the fire and they're putting out the fire. That type of concept is happening, but, uh, I, I do think that this is going to be a, a quicker turnaround because they set themselves up with these draft picks and with the cap space with Carson Wentz coming off the books here for it maybe not to be as a disaster for as long as some fans thought it was gonna be now he, he has time to screw this up. there's no doubt about it, but uh th- they're not in the worst position in the world either for the long for the for the long term kind of retool if you will.
2: Well, let's keep going down this rabbit hole and get you in more trouble with the Eagle fan base, Hunter, because you love Howie Roseman. <laughs> we all know you love Howie Roseman. I want to. No, I give Howie credit as well. One are, you bring up the offensive line. So we all watched the New York Giants uh, last night, and it's not like they haven't tried to fix the offensive line. Their left tackle, you saw he caught a touchdown. He's a better receiver. He might be the number three receiver on the Eagles, but he's not a good left tackle in, in Andrew Thomas. Uh, Will Hernandez is the worst second-round pick I've ever seen in my life. They 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 put all this money into Nate Solder, who was a great player in New England, can't play at all with the Giants. Meanwhile, Howie Roseman, one one of the parts of his job is – Assistant coaches hiring somebody like Jeff Stoutland, keeping someone like Jeff Stoutland. The Eagles, they don't have Brandon Brooks. They don't have Isaac Sayamalo. Could you imagine if the New York Giants or another team lost their starting guards? Um, Jack Driscoll is playing well. Landa Dickerson, as you mentioned, is a second round pick playing very well. Is there a more important name? to this organization than jeff stoutman number one and who's responsible for keeping jeff stoutman it's it's hunter's guy Howie Roseman. it's a great <laughs> point
8: but no i mean if you remember and i know you do but like it was conversations or maybe at the end of last season that he would go back to the college routes and yeah. the ties to alabama and all that and i thought that that would be a, a disastrous not only just because he's as great as he is but just in terms of there's not many veteran guys on this coaching staff at all i was always in favor of you know, if you hired a Jim Caldwell as an OC or, you know, just someone that you can rely on to to kind of lean on, they go the Jim Bob Cooter route as the good old consultant. I love that, right? Mm-hmm. Like all these are consultants, I should say, right? They're always trying to maneuver through these terms on what they do. But um, yeah, you know, Jeff Stoutland is an incredible piece. I love the fact that you bring up, if guys go down, you have Nate Herbig waiting, you have Andre Dillard. And I, I, have, I will die on this hill. This whole Andre Dillard sucks thing. It's like, no, we're spoiled. We yeah, are spoiled. I no Jordan of Jason Peters, Trey Thomas, Andre Dillard would start on all these teams, and he might not be elite. He might not be the most dominant left tackle in the world, but you have no idea how bad offensive line play is until you sit there on a Monday night and you watch it. So it wasn't a disastrous pick. Even if you go back, he was highly regarded in, in as a college athlete at the time to be picked as one of the first offensive linemen kind of off the board. So – I just thought that uh, you look through, and the fact that if we slot in Andre Dillard, Nate Herbig, any of these guys waiting to get their chance, they're going to do more than just a serviceable job. What team has the ability to say that right now? Now, with all this said, it is fair to point out the misses and the disastrous stuff, but I always go back to, if we know J-Jaw <laughs> was a Jeffrey Laurie pick, right, are we just going to act as if that's the only time ever that Jeffrey Laurie has ever had an impact just because that's the one that's known publicly. It, I mean, really we're just going to act as if that's the only time ever he's maybe had an impact on things. And then if your argument is, well, then Howie Roseman should tell him to shut up and pick who he wants. Then Howie Roseman doesn't have a job. Hey. So it doesn't make much sense to me. <laughs> um, so I, you know, that doesn't mean he's off the hook for these bad ones, but, I just think we're we're so deep into it. It's perfect that we're bringing up the Giants because I heard Michael K. up in New York say this a while ago when Gettleman was under fire even more than he is now. And he specifically said, and I was cracking up, do you see how great Philadelphia's ran? Do you see that Howie Roseman general manager down there? And I'm going, geez, Michael, <laughs> if you only heard what people said down here. So he's not perfect. I think we're just so invested in it that we emotionally, that we don't, take a step back to study what else is out there, how much worse it could be and where he relates to everybody else with something like everyone points out the Rams. Yeah. Guess what? They do it a different way, but because every time I say, what GM would you want? They always, the, oh, all the Rams, the Ravens, the green Bay, this, that, I mean, green Bay, they're, they're a dumpster fire with Aaron Rodgers. Like they don't have that. He wants out this and that it's, it's not as smooth as you think
1: in other places is
8: my
2: point.
1: Right. note to self. Have Hunter back on when Andre Dillard gets traded and gets beat out by a seventh-round pick. Nah, as not going to happen, Jody. Hunter is, in his Hunter is 100%. If, right, Jody closes. I, so I learned from John on that yeah. hill together. Yeah. Andre I, I Dillard from can actually yeah. play hill. Yeah. Feel no. free to pick yourself There's, up off it at any
2: time. Jody, When Jody and I tell him this all the time, Hunter, when Jody closes the book on a player, it is slammed <laughs> shut, baby. He burns it. it. It, There is no coming back. He, can, and, he stepped in
6: and did a yeah, decent uh, job. He did a solid
1: job. Andre Dillard and uh, uh, my, my guy, Derek Barnett, both starting for the Houston Texans yeah. next year. Write it down. Possible. Until they get replaced by better players, undrafted free agents brought in. <laughs>
2: Now, uh, well, the Texans have Laramie Tunsil, so Andre can't go there. He's one of the few players they have. But Hunter's right; he played well. He wasn't. He played well when he was forced into the lineup. wasn't great, but he was competent. He's better than Andrew Thomas, who's a top ten pick. On the New York Giants.
1: Yeah, but that, that's Andrew hard. Thomas can at least catch. We we can. determined that last. We need. Don't rule out. Don't start rule start. out
8: Andre Dillard for seven yeah. next week, fellas.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's one I don't think we have to sweat. All right, uh, Hunter, I do want to get you on the defense too. We've talked a lot about the offense. Uh, if you had to grade Jonathan Gannon this past week, oh, he's an A plus in the first half. Uh, different looks, bringing blitzes from different places. Given the cornerbacks the chance to make plays on the island, outside, Darius Slay, to the house, phenomenal. And then there was the second half, and they took their foot off the throat of the opposition, and they went into that safe zone. And they had Zach McPherson on the field, which didn't really pay dividends they were without uh, Darius Slay. Any worries that Jonathan Gannon just slipped back into what Jonathan Gannon does, which is, hey, we'll let you move it down the field. We'll just wait for you to make a mistake. They got lucky that Trevor Simeon was capable of making mistakes. Are they going to do that again this week against a guy like Daniel Jones, who's capable of making mistakes?
8: Yeah, I think you'll see more pressure brought on him. I mean, you could see some of those interceptions that were thrown yesterday and all. He's not confident whatsoever to, to kind of pick you apart. So with Gannon, I, I think big picture, I still have a lot of concerns because if you're playing a, a team that has a high-powered offense, he'll probably sit back more into that soft coverage and let them dink and dunk and kind of get through and and. Take what's given, you know, seven yards, eight yards, seven yards and death by a million paper cuts. Basically, I I think he will do that. But for the rest of the way, once again, you're set up for this. I mean, right now, basically, after the first year, this is going to be my analysis on Jonathan Gannon. It's going to be if you're playing a mediocre and below average quarterback, you're going to be in a good position to win this game. If you're playing a high powered kind of offense with a really good quarterback. I haven't seen that adjustment made yet. Now, maybe all these games against bad quarterbacks will give him some information of, you know, maybe I can't dial it up every time, but I can do some of the things I'm doing and implement that throughout when there is somebody. But when there's a threat to beat you over the top with a quarterback that has a strong arm, he's scared. He's very scared of that. So I don't have enough info yet on what he will do against some of these, better quarterbacks but i will admit that they're they're both of these coaches are learning on on the fly here they're learning as they're on the sidelines more and i'm just hoping and praying that what he is doing well against these garbage qbs maybe he can take some of that data and realize it can work and see what bothers me is i'm always like i'm not always but you know all the people that scream like Rod, right it's like (laughs) well, you're obnoxious, but it's working, and it's like, whatever. Like, these people are like, blitz! It's like, you don't have to blitz every time. But, like, it's working right now. I got you, right? Like, Tom Brady will pick apart a part of blitz if you send a blitz every single time. So, like, it's not that simple. It's not that easy, but yeah, there is some legitimacy to bringing more pressure than he was more disguises, maybe some more stunts up front that can help out some of these defensive linemen and also, you know, that's kind of where I'm at now with Jonathan Gannon. And I, I think that, uh, I'm nervous about better quarterbacks, but there's, there's really no quarterbacks until you look at Dak Prescott at the end.
2: Yeah. Uh, last one for me, Hunter, and and thank you. I know you got to get your coffee, coffee with Brody. So we That's get right. you before, so you yeah. got to get that in 97.5, The fanatic as well for Hunter Brody. Uh, listen to him. There is there any way this team can lose in New York Giants? You're just talking about bad quarterback play, Jonathan Gannon. He's rock solid. You're going to get some bad quarterback play from Daniel Jones. I don't know much, but I know that. So, how, can can you envision a way? They lose this football game. All
8: right, so this is my problem. When you look at the back back half of the schedule on paper, you go, I don't know how they lose. Maybe you can chalk one up to Washington and then you end up losing one, right? But, like, in what universe am I honestly going to assess what I saw this entire 11 games in the beginning of the season and then write them off for, like, a seven-game win streak? Like, that's impossible. There's no way. So here's what I'll say when when I look at the rest of the way here and specifically the Giants. Uh, they're due for a hiccup. They're due for, it might not be necessarily because the other team is so special and the other team is so good and they're so dynamic, but maybe they shoot themselves in the foot. Maybe those penalties come up big time and Derek Barnett has a big roughing the passer, or maybe it's Hargrave and then we get that woman again screaming who's all over the <laughs> airwaves, right? Like, it, it might come down. It might not necessarily be because the other teams are doing something that's that's clicking. Or maybe they do. Maybe they have one of those weeks. I mean, you look, you look at the Jets. You look at Tennessee and, and the loss that they have. It does happen. So, knowing what I've seen out of this Eagles team, they have flaws. They've been playing great. They have flow. So there's no way that I can write in W's the rest of the way because that would be malpractice for me. I've seen them have some really like struggling moments and really poor plays. And maybe, because guess what? We talked about second-half adjustments a little earlier. With Jalen Hurts, there's something to be said about if Rick Fangio, or Vic Fangio, excuse me, if he ended up going in another direction, he sent a lot of blitzes, a lot of pressure early. He stayed with it too long. That second half, if Darius laid didn't bring that one back to the house, I'd be a little concerned for what would have happened in that second half. And then same with a little bit of last week. There's something about the second half adjustments that I don't know if this coaching staff has yet dialed in yet. And maybe there's something to be said about that, whether it's Ron Rivera. I don't know if it's Joe Judge that will out-coach him to death in the second half. But maybe there's something to that that will come back and bite the Eagles in some of these, these games down the stretch here that will uh, – you know, maybe they do lose the giants. Maybe they do lose because of self-inflicting wounds more so than the other team is so
1: special. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Last one for me, Hunter. And Oh, by the way, if Fox catches a fan this weekend in the stands, that you can do some serious lip reading with, Oh, it'll be about Dave Gettleman. It won't be about uh, the Eagles and or <laughs> the referees. Believe me, it'll be about Dave Gettleman in New York. Um, our field goal kicker had a nice game on Sunday, four for four. Every time they sent him out there, he drilled it through the uprights. We have not had a game yet this year sit on the left, the right leg of Jake Elliott. If that's the way it plays, 23 <clears throat> 23, Eagles get the ball back, get it into 40 plus yard field goal position as time runs out. What's your confidence that uh, Jake Elliott's going to win the game for?
8: It's definitely high. I mean, it's a big turnaround for him. He did not have a good season in last year, and he was struggling a bit, and there was some concern, and I think it was valid to have some concern. But he's basically, at this point, I almost think, oh, this is a no-brainer. This is an automatic. This is absolutely going to happen. Like, he's going to drill it. To this point, I felt that confident every time. And it's hard to feel mm-hmm. that way, right? I mean, you look at Baltimore. I always laugh because it's got to be so hard. I mean, it is. It's it's hard to be a cool kicker, right? I mean, like, and wow. it just is. And coolest guy,
2: the coolest guy it, on the. I mean,
8: yeah, it's crazy that Baltimore has that. And I just, it's just, I don't know. I always think about that it's so hard. Just dominance as kicking yeah. is what makes you cool. And uh, with Jake Elliott, you know, he's had the Super Bowl run. He was a hero then in the Giants game. If we're going to bring up Boston Scott, maybe Jake Elliott returns in this one as well. But to answer your question, I mean, the. Uh, the confidence level in him is, is sky high right now. And I guess maybe you could play the card that he's due, but I don't want to go down that road.
1: Oh, you're, yeah. you're going to get out on that note? No, Hunter, no, I, due I can't miss one. You no. really <laughs> want to get out on
8: that note? Are you I haven't me? had my coffee
1: yet. This is yeah. this is bad. There you go. This blame go. it is on is the bad. coffee. Good job, Hunter. Uh, <laughs> and good job coming on with us today. We appreciate it greatly. We'll get you on again soon enough, bud. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving.
2: That's you too. Hunter Thanks, Brody, Hunter.
1: Broads Media 97.5. Here with us, uh...
2: he's right about Justin Tucker. Coolest guy. The the Ravens have been in here a number of times for joint practices. He's cooler than the quarterbacks. That guy is just that guy is unbelievable. The ball comes off his foot just different than everybody else. It just looks different. It's like a it's like a little mini explosion coming off his foot. It's unbelievable. But Jake Elliott's been great. Ninety percent, Jody. Eighteen to twenty.
1: That's damn That's good. That's pretty good. That's why I brought him up by uh, four for four, no question. And and I know it's nitpicking, but they always give you the great shot so you can uh, see it and judge it afterwards. He knocks them down the middle. There are yeah. guys that sneak them just inside the upright, and you're wondering, are they playing the win, not playing the win? Is he not able to kick it where he wants? Elliot goes right down the middle on almost yeah. every single kick. You don't yeah. even have to sweat. Oh, is he gonna pull it back in? He's gonna have draw and the kick. No, it's right down the middle every single
2: time. Yeah, I probably said this before, but he might be he might be the best athlete on the Eagles. Well, he's great he at wins. everything. He wins he's, all those contests. He's a great reasons. golfer. He's a everything with a stroke. I always say he's phenomenal at. He's a great baseball player. Um, great golfer. Table tennis, anything. He does everything. He goes on Instagram. He does trick shots and golf. He's unbelievable. And you talk about the kickers
1: being cool and that uh, uh, the Baltimore kicker might be the coolest kind of team. You know, it was one of the coolest Eagles I ever had the pleasure of getting to know, hanging with, doing charity things with. David Akers was a cool character. There you go. He was a great dude and one of the things that his teammates appreciated appreciated about him he also wanted to be a football player he got his nose in there on tackles he was yeah, in I'm the weight sure. room with the guys. He wouldn't just uh, sit by his stall and, oh, I'm the kicker. I don't have to do No, he'd get in and actually exercise with the guys. So the team appreciated him because he thought of himself as a football player, yeah. not a kicker. And I isn't think the fans the,
2: felt that way too. Isn't the Jets kicker, he's a monster, isn't he? He's in the weight room. He is, but the problem is he's not that good. He's not that and, good. But and, he can, and he can it's good
1: that he's, he's one of the guys, yeah. but – it does eventually come back. To how many get times you yeah. get? What percentage you get it through the uprights? I think he was one for three last week. Yeah, no, might have good. been. Might have been one for four. I know he's got he's jungle. got the
2: Ed Hockey League guns though. You know, suns yeah, out, guns out. Yeah.
1: Which yeah, is it's cool. But more importantly, is get it through the uprights. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac guys. Next hour, we'll get Les Bowen up. We haven't talked to Les in a month or so. Uh, Plenty still to discuss on the road to New York. Giants up next for the Birds here on Birds 365.
6: and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
7: On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
4: On three. One, two, three, because
7: one. Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
4: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game.
0: Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
4: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass
3: free.
5: You're telling
4: me that bottle is cut in half.
3: You. Could say that
9: you got
1: John McMullen and me, Jody McDonald, Mac, and Mac guys here on breaks three sixty five. Eagles coming off the big win against the Saints, we start to look ahead to the Giants on Sunday. Which, oh by the way, after last night's giant beatdown at the hands of the Bucks, Eagles a three and a half point road favorite going up the Turnpike is not, not about only that. a favorite but more not than a field that. goal favorite,
2: up to three yeah. and a half off that giant debacle last That's night. How she, by the and, way, the Giants—I don't remember, but. The Giants would have – we've been talking about the Eagles' picks, Jody, potential first-round picks. I think the Giants are at number five and number seven right now. They have have the Bears' pick. They have the Bears' pick, yep. How'd they They, get the Bears' pick? I don't remember. Justin Fields. Oh, Justin Fields. That's right. Justin Fields. Yeah, so they have five and seven, and they need a quarterback. (laughs) Yeah, again,
1: Giants will be looking that same crop that we're looking at from uh, through the Eagle lens of is Kenny Pickett really worth the fifth pick in the draft? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, I, I I lost my train of thought about the game coming up against the uh, Giants. Oh, by the way, yeah, now now remember, uh, John McMullen, what's the Eagles' record this year as a favorite?
2: As a favorite. Well, they were favorite for, wasn't that the first time? So that would be one and oh. No, they
1: were favored against the only winless team in the National Oh, yeah, Detroit. Uh, yeah. So oh, they were two are favored, two and favored, two and favored two and against the Lions. And yes, uh, la- uh, excuse me, on Sunday was only the second time they were favored all year. So they are undefeated as a favorite this year. 2-0 are the Philadelphia Eagles, and for the third time this year, they'll be favorite against the Giants on Sunday, looking to stretch that to 3-0. All right, Jay, you broached this with Hunter last segment, and someone brought it up with me last night on WIP, one of my good calls, one of my regular callers, but he overstated the point. But there's a justification to the point to begin with. Is the way Jalen Hurts plays the game sustainable over the long run? He is absolutely a running quarterback. No one questions that. And even guys who we've seen here previously, like Randall Cunningham, like Donovan McNabb, they were running quarterbacks too, I think. Jalen was a little bit more like Donovan when he ran the football than he was like Randall. Randall was different than any other quarterback who ever came before him. And I would even say any quarterback who's been like him since. Uh, there's probably a, a comparison to be made between Ian and Lamar Jackson. Um, but uh, Jalen's just a different type of runner. And the caller said to me last night, Jody, the, the Eagles are using Jalen Hurts. They're going to get the year out of him. They'll probably get next year out of him.
0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: They're going to move on. Enjoy your time with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback because it's got a shelf life. He's going to go down and the Eagles are going to be ready, willing, and able to move on immediately thereafter. And I thought it was pretty harsh. I'm going, they're not looking at it like that. They wanted to give him a chance. He's earning that chance. He's keeping that chance. He's going to be their quarterback again next year if this continues Why do you need to uh, rain on his parade? Why why can't we just leave it open-ended on the back end? And that's why I defended Jalen Hurts the way I did. But there is a legit point here. He does take hits. He's not afraid to try and get that extra yard. Now, I actually was impressed by him this weekend because they had a couple of plays where he was supposed to run wide and it got stretched out and he had no chance to beat the defender. And he just went down. He went into a bit of a slide. One of them, I think, was actually just kind of a sit. He sat down and said, all right, I'll take my loss, which was a good thing because he preserved himself. He wasn't yeah. going to get anything. He wasn't going to drop a shoulder and try and drive through a tackle. So I guess my question to you is, can Jalen Hurt survive and continue to play quarterback the way he is right now, which is pretty damn effective, but it is risky. Or is he just one of those guys who's a running back in a quarterback's body that he's going to be okay with it? I, I went back and double checked. He did not miss any games when he he didn't the year he was the quarterback of Oklahoma. No injury issues. The whole time he was at Alabama, he never had uh, any major injury issues. Is he one of those guys? We always think of quarterbacks as guys who shouldn't be running the football or are risking life and limb every time they run the football. And then it's Jalen Hurts. Maybe he's just different. How much concern do you have that the Eagles oh. are going to build up some momentum, be winning games with this different offense that everybody else has? And then boom, Jalen Hurts is gone.
2: You know, I kind of look at it like i never liked it. Ezekiel Elliott, Let's use him as an example. You know, when the Cowboys drafted him and they gave him the football 300 times a year, um, everyone would say they're using him up. No, teams don't use up players. They're trying to win football games. He was one of their best players, ultimately got a second deal anyway. But people look at that at the running back position. Give the guy 300 touches and move on to the next guy. I think there's two things here. One, they don't say, oh, we're going to use this guy up. They have a good player. They're using him. They're trying to win football games. But on the back end, you do have to be cognizant of the shelf life is probably not going to be as long as other positions. Um, So that's what I kind of compare it as. You know, Tom Brady's always the outlier. He's 44 years old. He doesn't have a shelf life like Tom Brady, even if he's a good player, even if he turns into a franchise quarterback, he doesn't have a shelf life like Tom Brady. Now, few do, obviously, but there are plenty of examples of guys playing late in their career, playing a certain style, more of a pocket style. Phillip Rivers, who Nick Sirianni loves. You're watching Aaron Rodgers continue to play at a high level on and on and on. You've seen Matt Ryan you can go down the list. A lot of guys play to a very long time. I think you have to be cognizant of the fact that shelf life probably isn't that long for this type of player, but you know, doesn't mean you can't go about things a different way. doesn't mean you can't have a shelf, a shorter shelf life and still be successful in that shorter shelf life and then move on in a different direction when you have to move on. So I I guess I kind of look at that a little bit differently, but if your goal is the next 40 year old pocket, you know, guy who's going to play for 20 years. No, he's probably not going to play for 20 years.
1: All right. Let me, yeah, you're right. He's, he's not going to be a guy who's going to last uh, a decade plus. That's just not going to happen with Jalen hurts. Um, And by the way, even if it's passing, becomes improved and he becomes a more accurate passer and he's throwing for higher percentage i still don't think he's going to be uh one of those long-term guys a couple of names that you just threw out there uh didn't want to make this point who's the all-time leading rusher in the history of national football emmett smith that is correct and i remember because you know i've been on the area in philly for a while and i was an emmett fan i i was still rooting for the cowboys when emmett smith came into the league don't anymore and emmick's no longer in the league but I used to laugh at Eagle fans that would call Emmett Smith uh, certain words that I don't even want to use here on uh, Street Three Sixty Five. I'm,
2: I'm guessing a, a, a
1: soft words, yes, to describe soft. Yes,
2: he's the least P. soft
1: player in the history of the world. By begins the way. with P, ends with yeah. Y, and a bunch of letters in between. Um, and Emmett would do that. He'd get to the sidelines and just dance out of bounds. Yeah. After a nine-yard game, at the tail end of a nine-yard yeah. game, he'd dance out of bounds. And he'd be ready to take the ball on the next play. He was so soft, he ended up leading the National Football League in the history yeah. of the game with most yards rushing. There is sometimes discretion being the better part of valor, And you just do something to extend your own shelf life. Um, I don't know if you – were you in town when Michael Vick was the Eagles quarterback? Were you in Minnesota at the
2: time? Uh, well, I was in Minnesota. I, I was covering the uh, Joe Webb game, which I called the Antoine Winfield game. But right. yeah, I was. You about
1: that yesterday. Yeah. Uh, one of the ongoing stories with Michael Vick when he got a chance to take over and be the starting quarterback was can the Eagles teach him how to slide? That if Michael Vick could ever yeah. slide, he could preserve his career and continue. And it was an ongoing thing week after week after. Oh, did you see Vick slide on that play? It became almost like a badge of honor if he learned how to slide. I don't know if we're going to do that with uh, Jalen Hurts as well. But it, it is something that uh, the more this kid starts to uh, grab a hold, As the starting quarterback, he's certainly not the starting quarterback for 2022 yet. I'd be shocked if anything happens other than an injury that would take him out of the lineup this year. And he's certainly trending toward being the guy next year as their starting quarterback. The the worm's going to turn here. The people are going to start to say, yeah, you know, Jalen better be more careful. Let's go back into that slide conversation. We need to preserve Jalen. We're not there yet. Fans are starting to warm up with him. The percentage of fans that think he'll be their starting quarterback going forward is ever increasing with every week. But we haven't reached the point yet of, yeah, Jalen's got to learn to protect himself. We can't afford to lose Jalen Hurts. We need to keep <clears> this <throat> guy in the lineup. When is that going to happen,
2: J.M.? Well, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it shouldn't happen. I, I, I will say from the Eagles' perspective, you just play. You play and you take advantage of what he does well. And that's why I brought up the running back conversation. And if I have a good running back and I give him the football 300 times, I'm not using him. I'm going back to your original point when you had the caller, I'm not using him. I'm trying to win a football game. The Eagles are trying to win a football game, but what they have available right now is what they should be doing. Certainly from Nick Sirianni standpoint, I just think, and we, we go back to Howie Roseman serving different masters. I just also think you have to be very cognizant of Zach Ertz's yes. quote. I always tell you, uh, injury rate is 100% in this league. Ultimately, it's going to happen to everybody, not just Jalen Hurts. No matter how cautious you are, um, you know, we saw, um, you know, what? Uh, who was the defensive lineman playing his 150-something straight game uh, I got I got to meet Jim Marshall, uh, who played, you know, he's the ant, ant, anti-team. He played defensive end for 20 years, every single game, every single week. But he was hurt. <laughs> you know, he just went out there and played. We know Brett Favre, uh, his uh, consecutive game streak for all those years. But he was hurt a lot. He just played through it. You're going to get hurt in this game. The only question is, is it a major injury? Is it a minor injury? You have to be cognizant of certain playing styles uh, that are more susceptible to injury pure Howie Roseman. Jim
1: Marshall, the Vikings defensive lineman who Kind of wrong way went wrong down way. in history the wrong way because he ran the wrong way after picking up a fumble, which is just a crying shame because he was a perennial Pro Bowl type player, right? And he's more remembered for picking up a ball and getting yeah. a little disorganized uh, and running the wrong way. That's not, not in the
2: Hall thing. of Fame, which is my pet peeve, by the way. Should be in the yeah, hall. I of
1: thought Fame. him as a Hall of Fame. Now, Eller is in, right? Yeah, Eller's in, right. I was saying uh, the purple people-eater defense, one of the great defenses in the history of the national football league. I,
2: jam- I, I just looked it up, 282 straight games. Really? 282? And that's back when they were playing 12 a year. Yeah, you know, play,
1: Not playing 17 like they are these days. They're
2: playing 12 games
1: when Jim, a year when Jim Marshall was all, playing.
2: All-time all, all leader in fumble recoveries, by the way. Um, I, I think I told you the story. I probably met Jim Marshall. uh, He's still, I think he's, yeah, I'm looking it up. He's 83. So I probably met Jim Marshall for the first time when he was 60, 65, somewhere in that range. Okay. To this day, and I tell people all this time, and I've, you know, I have uh, shook the hand of Adrian Peterson, which the stories are legendary of his grip strength, back when people would shake hands before the pandemic. Um, It's true. I have never, ever felt a grip like Jim Marshall at 60 years old. It was unbelievable. I couldn't get out of there quick enough, Jody. I was going to cry. It was unbelievable.
1: You know, you know who got me good? Um, And, you didn't know uh, Jim Marshall, but you went to cover the Vikings. So you got to know him and he became somebody that you appreciated. One of my favorite players of all time. I got a chance to meet uh, when I came down here to Philadelphia, as a matter of fact, because he was a Philadelphia area guy, even though I loved him as a New York football player. And that was Joe Klecko.
2: and Yeah, big Joe. Yeah, yeah
1: big Joe. Uh, I got to do a personal appearance at a bar that Joe was a... Part was it owner- in Westchester? Yes, yes, correct.
2: I've been and, there. I know Joe. And you.
1: Uh, it was uh, after one of my shows, I had to drive down. He was at the bar when I came in before happy hour, whatever. He shook my hand. And he knew I was a big fan. He said, certainly heard of me um, fighting the fight to get him into the Hall of Fame when I was on the air up in New York. Uh, so I had no idea that Joe Klecko was looking forward to meeting me. I knew I was like nervous to meet Joe Clacko because he was a guy that I so wholeheartedly rooted for. He shook my hand. We played pool for like the next eight hours. I was in there way too late. I probably should have driven home. We had a really good time. It's one of like my favorite nights in my life. I don't know how I played pool the rest of the night because he shook my hand. And the pain never stopped. That's probably why I drank as much as I did. Because my (laughs) hand was like falling off at the wrist. Because he actually, at least that's what he said, he was excited to meet me. Yeah. So when you get an excited handshake from a guy who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a defensive lineman, guess what? You're going to pay a price.
2: Yeah. And they're not doing it on purpose. Jim Marshall didn't do it on purpose either. Um, it's just how strong they are and their grip, and it's it's it really it's eye opening. I'm I'm I love that you went through something similar because I can't really describe it. It's unbelievable. I've shaken a lot of hands over the years, Jody. There's there's like two or three that I still remember for for a reason that they're clamping on like it's a vice. And
1: I I learned this. I don't want to call it a lesson, but an insight uh, from uh, another guy who I, I like. It's kind of like Joe Klecko. That would be Joseph Anthony, Aloysius McDonald senior. Um, my father taught me at a very young age that a guy's handy was very important to him. Yeah, you got to get in there. He was a scout and he would uh, take notes and he had his gun and he could uh project the player's ability to grow and become a power hitter and there's a lot to being a really good scout but he would always tell me one of the key things is i want to meet every player before i file a scouting report on him and i want to shake his hand because you can tell a lot about a guy by the handshake that he has and i always thought that was a bit of an overstatement and my father trying to be cool and no he meant it that he would seriously judge a guy and give him a little bit of a better scouting report if you had a good, solid, firm handshake. And or take back on a scouting report if the guy gave him a wet fish handshake. Yeah, And he he believed that, and he would mark it down. He would actually write it down on his scouting reports. He would grade their handshake after he met a player for the first time, which was amazing. So yeah, I love now you.
2: that wouldn't go over well, but he's right. I'm, well, and nobody even does it anymore, but uh, yeah. Back in the day, it meant something, and you, you,
1: you no, uh, and oh, by the way, and my father stopped scouting two years ago at the age of ninety. Um, in the COVID world in which we live,
0: yeah, there Can't is no it. such thing yeah. as a
1: handshake Can't anymore. It. Yeah, it, it's a fist bump it's or wave. Bump. Yeah. that's or an elbow tap. There's no such thing as a handshake anymore. My father would be lost without it if he were still scouting. But that that's a great story. I love your story about Jim Marshall. All right, uh, we're the Mac and Mac guys. I don't want to put anything else in the mix because Les Bowen is scheduled to join us coming up in about three or four minutes. Uh, so we spend a solid uh, half an hour with Les Bowen former Inquirer, beat guy for the Philly, for uh, the Eagles. Only did it for about 20 years. Doing some side work for the Associated Press these days. Always good when we get Les Bowen to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365.
6: Toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
7: On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: On three. One, two, three. Because
7: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
0: Go for the midnight dares.
4: Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go
0: for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
4: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in
3: half? You... Could say that
1: Magamac Guys here on Birds 365. John McMullen and Jordan McDonald, hopefully joined by uh, Les Bowen. Uh, scheduled to join us next year on Birds 365. Hasn't updone yet, but hopefully does so in just a couple of minutes. Uh, JM, I'm going to ask you to evaluate a situation Eagles are in this week as compared to last week. Last week, Dallas Goddard, concussion protocol. We had to speculate is he going to be cleared to play? Is it going to come in time? We knew by the end of the week when he had returned to practice, <laughs> limited. But return to practice, there was a real good chance he was going to be able to play, and that's exactly what happened. This year, this week, excuse me, uh, Darius Slay goes into concussion protocol, same exact as Dale Goddard, only his hit. I, I don't even know what play. Have you seen anybody be able to isolate what oh, play Slay got on? No, around? I
2: haven't. I actually haven't. Um, but I will say, where you're going down that route, and again, I say it every week, you know, you can't get clear till Saturday. It's a five-point process. So um, he's not going to be clear till Saturday. I will say, you know, he was on social media. He was being his typical Slay stuff very early in the process. No. So I'm guessing he's going to be available to go. Purely get I mean, these things are – everybody's different. I say it all the time. Uh, it's worked out well for the Eagles. Before that, it was Josh Schwett, Then it was Dallas Goddard. Now it's Darius Slay. They've been been able to get guys through the protocol pretty quickly. I think that's going to happen this week, but we got to wait and see.
1: All right, and uh, Slay is one of the regulars when they make players available during the week. He's a uh, regular contributor, is he not? And, yeah, he's one of those guys that the wow. Eagles probably do so because they know you guys like to talk to him, and he's a good quote, but sometimes he's a quote that they're not really wanting to get out just yet uh will you read anything into Darius's slay either availability or non-availability for you later this week
2: uh no he he is a lead off wednesday typically he he leads off every wednesday uh player availability uh if if, if you're you're not to a certain point in the protocol um you're not allowed to talk to us, so I right. wouldn't read into it much if he wasn't there right. Wednesday. As long as he's on the field in a limited fashion right. by Friday, um, right. I he's going to play. Uh, so I would say that would be the more indication. Obviously, if he talks right. to us on Wednesday, that's a clear indication he's going to play.
1: And I was going to say, is that a league rule that if you are in the protocol that you cannot make media availability? Is that uh, already prejudged by the league?
2: It is prejudged by the league. You don't have to be completely out of the protocol, but you have to be through a certain stage. And Dallas Goddard was an example. He talked to us after he signed the extension. Technically, it wasn't cleared fully till Saturday. But um, you have to be through a certain point of the process. Early in the process, yeah, you can talk to us. We'll we'll see how Darius Slate plays himself out.
1: All right, coming up next here on Birds 365, good enough to join us is our buddy Les Bowen, who looks comfortable and relaxed. I guess this uh, part-time Eagle coverage thing is agreeing with you, Mr.
10: Bowen. Oh, it certainly is, Jody. Thanks very much, yes.
2: Yeah, it's good to see. you. My, my, if you hear my dog chiming in in the background, that she's excited to see Les. He's a fellow dog lover. Uh, Indeed. Yes. So good to see you, Les. Uh, I guess we'll start out with this drastic shift uh, with this particular team, and and, mm-hmm. and more so the offense. It's Nirvana for Philadelphia fans. They're running the football. Three out of four games, over 200 yards running the football. The other one, they were 175, <laughs> 180, whatever it was. Um, why this effectiveness? Or is it a perfect storm? Offensive line, Jalen Hurts, running backs. If you had to pick one thing, what would you say?
10: Well, I'd say offensive line uh, if, if I had to pick one thing. But certainly Hurts uh, has – He's in like almost Lamar Jackson territory now, uh, in terms of his effectiveness when he runs the ball. Uh, I got into a kerfuffle on Twitter during the game. <laughs> That's you not know, like you. It's well, uh, certainly not. No, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you have to pick your words very, very carefully. And I unthinkingly said, you know, Hertz. Uh, isn't as fast as Michael Vick was, but he's more powerful and shiftier. And the shiftier brought out like, you know, about 50 people who wanted to inform me that Jalen Hurts is not as shifty as Mike Vick. I I, I tweeted that right after the 24-yard touchdown run where he made that amazing cut. Yeah, that was a good cut. Maybe (laughs) I didn't exactly mean shiftier, but he can really... he can make a very precise cut uh, and he's extremely powerful and, and, you know, has plenty of speed. Uh, There's probably nobody as fast as, as Vic was when he was at his prime, but Jalen hurts is one of the, my point is an elite runner as a quarterback, something, you know, right up there with Randall Cunningham or, or Donovan or anybody else that, you know, you can name that's, uh, that's, that's been a good runner of the football from that position.
1: And uh, John can relate to your kerfuffle because I nitpick with his words all the time. I oh, yeah. To...
2: yeah. You got to be careful here, Les.
1: Yes. Uh, Indeed. I, yeah. I I will also uh, second guess the uh, use of a given, given word. Uh, so uh, keep, keep, keep it on the lookout, Les. Um, <laughs> speaking of that, uh niftiness or whatever word you want to use to describe Jalen Hurts. Uh, he is a guy who does put himself at risk. He's a guy who's yeah. not afraid to take a hit. John and I were just talking about it before we brought you on. Is this sustainable? Uh, to his Boy, credit, that's... he wasn't hurt when he was at Alabama. He wasn't hurt when he was at uh, Oklahoma. He had not gotten hurt yet in his uh, pro career. Is he one of those guys who can just take a hit and keep on ticking and keep on going or the Eagles play a little Russian roulette with their starting quarterback?
10: I don't think they're playing Russian roulette, but that's clearly the, the reason that you don't do this and the reason that I think they preferred, if they could have, in the offense they were trying to run earlier in the season, to have, you know, Hertz running only as kind of a last resort. Uh, in the long run, if you're looking at years down the road, is he going to be able to do this his whole career like this? you know, on pace for 900 or a thousand yards or something. No, nobody, nobody's ever done that in an entire career. Uh, He's going to have to be able to beat people with his arm more. And I kind of thought this New Orleans game would be the day that we saw whether he could do that because they were so good against the run. And then they just ran right over New Orleans anyway. So, but uh, I do think he needs to develop more as a passer. And it's not necessarily that he's going to get some sort of, severe injury although obviously that's possible but if he even gets dinged up if he gets a sprained ankle or something you know he's not going to be able to do what he did Sunday uh it's just common sense that you know this is dangerous and it is uh you know he's pretty good about getting himself down and not taking gigantic hits uh but I, I don't see this as something that they're going to be able to do going forward, you know, next year, year after, year after that. Uh, that it's not going to look exactly like this. I don't think maybe I'm wrong, but that, that's my feeling.
2: All right. Last. So, you know, Jody talks about sustainability from a health mm-hmm. perspective. I'm going to talk about it from an offensive perspective, just from, What you were mentioning about the passing game, about, you know, since they've made this shift, really only two guys are getting targeted, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, and that's it. Uh, You know, occasionally Jalen Rager will get a touch to lose yardage. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside got the big reception finally, his first target of the year. quez Watkins has kind kind of gone away. Yeah. You know, you bring up Michael Vick um, at times you had that slot blitz people would use to affect him. Um, They did it with Lamar Jackson, Miami, a couple weeks ago Uh, when that's coming. And I don't know when it's coming, but it's coming at some point. Do the Eagles have enough weapons in the passing game uh, to sustain this?
10: Good question. I don't know, John. I, you bring up Watkins. I sure hoped he was going to be, you know, in the preseason, there was a lot of buzz about him and in, in the early season, he had some long catches and he still has one every now and then, but I was really hoping for much more of a breakout year for him than we've seen, mostly because he hasn't been targeted lately. As you said, once they went to this running attack, uh, you know, I'd like to see them try to get the ball to him more, uh, Maybe a little more Greg Ward. I don't know instead of oh, Rager. Another Greg so, Ward band. Yeah, jumping on the yeah. free
1: Greg Ward bandwagon.
10: Bring yes. back Jody Greg Ward. Is a huge Greg Ward guy. I, yeah. you know, I think he's a guy, nice guy to have around. I don't think he's a great player, but he'll, yeah. he can, he can certainly make that catch over the middle. It just seems like with Rager, I don't know what the deal is. It, he and Hertz don't have a great chemistry it doesn't seem like to me i wouldn't be surprised to see rager out of here after this season uh you know it's put somebody in there that rager that hurts rather trusts uh to to get him yards you know there's a lot of times when hurts is scrambling around and he really wants to throw it and he ends up running and i i can't really you know i'm watching the games on tv these days i'm not in the press box and i don't really scrutinize the all 22 film when it comes out but i'd like to see receivers get open more in these situations and he wouldn't maybe have to run quite as much as he does uh, but i do think uh they are going to have to to throw it more as as time goes by and uh you know i i don't know if they have the weapons or not you talk about you know they have running backs who can catch uh, although they did deactivate kenny gainwell whose role kind of went off the cliff uh, as the season went by. Uh, there are some people they could, you know, they could use that would give them more in that regard. But, but I don't know. I don't know what their situation is there.
1: Let's need your take on this. Uh, preseason, turning back the clock. Eagles just hitting the field for the first time to start this year. Both John and I questioned. I don't think we <laughs> overly critiqued or criticized. But the fact that the Eagles coaching staff didn't had, have that veteran calming hand, that it was not only Nick Sirianni's first time as head coach, but most of his underlings were in positions that they hadn't been in before, and you didn't have that overseer, that mentor position on the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff. Well, now that they're running the football down team's throats and they're winning games and everybody's smiling here in Philadelphia, that question has kind of gone out the window. Did we overemphasize it before the year has started? Is it something that will be popping back up again over the next couple of weeks? Uh, Were you a guy who said, how do you put a staff together without having a veteran guy at the top with as many young guys, your two coordinators and your head coach with uh, the experience they've had? Uh, Where is that conversation going for the rest of the year?
10: Well, I, I don't think it was a mistake to say that. And I think you saw that in the early seasons. As recently as a month ago, this team was in a shambles. You know, that loss to uh, – what was it, a month ago tomorrow, that loss to the Raiders was just yeah. – everybody thought the, the organization was on fire and, and everybody should be fired. Uh, <laughs> one thing you see, though, is, for example, the emphasis the last month or so that we were talking about on running the ball – uh, has a lot to do with Jeff Stoutland, who is a veteran voice in the coaching room. He's not a coordinator, but he is the run game coordinator. And I think Nick Sirianni talked yesterday about Stoutland's role and, and how he designs the running attack. Um, but some of these early miscues they had, you know, they could have been doing some of the stuff they're doing now, offensively and defensively. We really haven't talked about the defense, but the, the defense looks a whole lot different than it looked a month ago. Uh, some of that's development of players like T.J. Edwards, but some of it is strategic. Some of it is blitzing and changing fronts and things like that that the players actually were crying out for earlier in the season. that wasn't happening. I think they lost some games, you know, this season that maybe they should have won, uh, frankly. Uh, so I do not think that was uh, misplaced. I, I do think it took these guys – a good darn while to figure out what they do best, what their players do best and, and how to utilize that. And maybe that's, you know, it's not unforgivable or anything, but uh, maybe with a more veteran staff, it wouldn't have been quite that uh, much of an ordeal to get to, you know, the stuff that, that really works.
2: Uh, a couple things there, Les, because I do want to talk about, Jeff Stoutland. And uh, I don't know if you saw the Giants last night against Tampa Bay, but when you have bad offensive line play, it is yeah. tough to do anything in this league. And I think people forget. I mean, Isaac Savamalu's not out there. You have a rookie in Landon Dickerson. Uh, Brandon Brooks isn't out there. Jack Driscoll is effective. Um, his ability to get players up to speed when you see other teams struggle. Yeah. is pretty amazing on, on the offensive line. There are so many teams in this league that struggle up front. And the Eagles, even guys like Matt Pryor and mm-hmm. Bati Baitai over the years, they're not great, but they're competent. It, it's pretty amazing. Is, is he the most important member of this coaching staff? It, you know, it's tough to say with a head coach, but – Let's right. face it. This team is built on its offensive line right now. Oh,
10: yeah. I think you can say that. And I think that's been true for a while. I, I think he's – yeah, he came here with Chip Kelly. Yeah. You know, this is his third head coach. So, yeah, he's very, very, very important. And the rumor last offseason that he might go back to Alabama, uh, I was still working then, and I wrote about that uh, – that, was a, that would have been a huge deal for the Eagles organization if that had happened. It didn't happen. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they need to keep him happy and keep him here. He is uh, uh, an integral part of what they're doing right now. And uh, I don't think there's anybody as good as him in the league. I don't think there's an offensive line playing as well right now as the Eagles offensive line in the league. And you're right. They're down their two starting guards, Suamalo and Brandon Brooks. Uh, I think probably Dickerson at this point, he's played enough games that he's probably at least as good as Suamala, which will be interesting going forward. But, uh, Driscoll is not, uh, is not Brandon Brooks, you know, and Brandon Brooks hasn't been healthy in quite a while, but there were a couple instances, even Sunday when you could see, gee, if they just had Brandon Brooks, you know, um, they would really be unstoppable, and uh, I guess that's still possible this season. Uh, it, it hasn't happened yet that Brooks comes back, but uh, but yeah, I think Stoutland is incredibly important. I think uh, he is their most important uh, coach, and uh, I think his unit is is probably the best unit in the league in that in that uh, setup. Les,
1: there is no arguing, the argument that the Eagles are in the playoff mix. That certainly as a wild card. I could give you a scenario whereby they actually could still win the NFC East. Cowboys just opened that door a crack with their loss this weekend <laughs> to the Kansas City Chiefs. Granted, it's a long shot, but they could still win the division. And I took a call last night on WIP, and the caller was defiant, and then he said, this is a bad thing that the Eagles are going to win, that they're going to make the playoffs. It's going to give Howie uh, and Jeffrey reason to not uh, make the corrections and the changes that they need to with this team. And I said, are you really an Eagle fan? You really are going to sit here and tell me you're going to root against Eagles winning games and making the playoffs? And one of the reasons I gave is because there's no beast in the NFC. Yes, I love Aaron Rodgers. We know Tom Brady's Tom Brady the Cowboys have been damn good and I have a wager on the Cardinals winning the Super Bowl this year at 45 to 1. So I have some appreciation of them. But is there a beast in the NFC that if the Eagles match up against them in the playoffs, you go, Well, they got no shot against that team?
10: Boy, we're really ahead of ourselves here. But uh... yeah, that's we're we on
1: Bird 365.
10: <laughs> we look ahead.
1: We're at, we're outside the box. Right. The
10: uh the argument for them not winning is that you really, if you think that firing Howie is important to moving the team along with these three potential first round draft picks, and you don't want Howie making the picks. That's the only argument for them not making the playoffs. I mean, that's silly. Otherwise you want young players to learn and have success and and develop and, and play well. You don't want them to play badly and lose. Uh, but uh, I, as far as what they can do, I mean, all rivalry stuff aside, Dallas healthy is a tremendous team, a much better team than the Eagles, I think. Um, Dallas is not anywhere near close to healthy right now and probably has a good chance to lose Thursday. But that won't, you know. A lot of this is going to be uh, corrected by the playoffs. I think Dallas is going to be a heck of a team in the playoffs. I think Arizona is going to be a heck of a team in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if the Eagles can beat anybody in the playoffs. I don't think that's really anything I'm focusing on right now. I'm focusing on guys getting better, getting some momentum, and getting a wild-card spot, even if you don't win a game when you get there. I think it would be a tremendous accomplishment for this team i think most people i know marcus hayes had him win in 12 games going into the season he's the only person in the world marcus you know, had him in
2: 12 wow yeah
10: nick sirianni's house that that thought yeah. that most of us thought seven eight maybe nine wins there were a lot of people outside philadelphia who thought who looked at last year and just expected you know three or four wins yeah. or something yeah. Uh, which I never thought was, was realistic, but I still think eight or nine wins would be a nice year. You know, I don't think they're going to run the table here or anything, Uh, but if they do get into the playoffs, that's a great building block for Nick Sirianni. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm not worried about the draft position that much. I I think you can still draft good players. Uh, It's not the NBA, you know, Um, but I don't think the playoffs are really what the season is about. Uh, I think that would be very reassuring to make the playoffs. And as far as beating teams in the playoffs, I don't know. It depends on who you're playing. Uh, If you're playing Minnesota, you know, which you wouldn't be. But, you know, you you could certainly beat that team. Uh, And There are going to be teams in the playoffs that the Eagles could beat. It just depends on the matchup and who's it healthy. It depends on yeah.
2: who's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. On that particular week. Um, right. so it's always, I mean, try to get in the dance and yeah, see what happens, see how it falls. Uh, I do want to go back to the coaching staff because you also mentioned Jonathan Gannon less. Um, and, and there's been this thought process that he's gotten more aggressive and mm-hmm. done a few different things and he has, but you Know the quarterbacks have changed so instead of Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, we're seeing Trevor Simeon this week. It's going to be yeah. Daniel Jones. You have the ability to take more chances. I think he feels more comfortable. Right. Um, do you think the change is just who he's playing at the quarterback position, or he's understanding his talent a little bit more uh, as what you kind of alluded to before? I, I think both, John.
10: I, I think. Uh, you know, this thing about you look better against bad quarterbacks that's always been true. Yeah, I remember having that conversation when Jim Johnson, who's revered here, was the Eagles' defensive coordinator. You know, my first year covering the Eagles, Peyton Manning came to town with the Colts, <laughs> and it was ugly. <laughs> Jim Johnson couldn't do anything to Peyton yeah. Manning couldn't figure out a blitz that was going to bother Peyton Manning. And that was a great Eagles defense in 2002. And Peyton Manning just took it apart. You know, uh, it's, it, that is kind of, I mean, you're not going if, to, if you see Tom Brady, you're not going to send Devonte Maddox, you know, and fluster Tom Brady. But yeah, I mean, that's the way it is for everybody. You know, I mean, you do look better against the bad defenses, the bad quarterbacks. Yeah. I
7: mean, um, yeah.
10: But I also think, I mean, you've seen T.J. Edwards these last several weeks. He wasn't even playing much early in the season in the defense. Uh, You know, you see uh, the different fronts, which was, again, something uh, players were complaining about, you know, early in the season. You see, I saw in that Denver game, I didn't really notice it as much yesterday. I wasn't looking for it. But in that Denver game, I saw a lot of wide nine you know, which Jim Schwartz used to run uh, there. They are mixing things up. They are doing things differently and they needed to, they were just too vanilla, too easy to, you know, just pick apart downfield to go you know, play after play after play. And you're just not seeing that. And yeah, it has to do with the quarterbacks on the other team. Although Bridgewater in Denver, I, I if Bridgewater had played them a month earlier, I think Bridgewater would have had a lot of success against them. He's not terrible. You know, Simeon was terrible. I mean, he wasn't good, you know, Uh, and they still, by the way, you know, before we get too carried away with the Eagles, you did see some things in the fourth quarter that you didn't like. You know, they let the Saints back into the game and had to score another touchdown to kind of calm things down late. And that was ridiculous. He had a 30 to seven lead, you know, uh so all the problems aren't solved. They aren't a perfect team. They aren't a great team. But but yeah, I think Gannon has schemed more to the strengths of his players. And he's also figured some things out personnel wise in terms of who he wants out there. I think Edwards is a is a huge part of this, you know, going forward.
1: All right, Les, on a scale of zero to ten, zero being what? Me worry, ten being Oh, my God, do you realize I have no hair left? It's because I've been pulling it out at the roots. What is your worry about Jalen uh, – excuse me – about Miles
10: Sanders and putting the ball on the ground? A little bit of worry. I mean, he was really rusty Sunday. Uh, this was something that was an issue coming out of Penn State, you know. And it's happened last year. It happened a lot. It was, what, four lost fumbles in 12 games last yeah. year? Yeah, Uh, this was four 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 fumbles, fumbles, two lost. He fumbled it four times. He only lost it twice. Okay, but uh, this year he had not lost a fumble. Of course, my see, the bigger thing with him is with me is why he fumbled Sunday, which is that he wasn't playing for the last month. You know, Miles Sanders gets hurt a lot. (laughs) You know, he's that's a bigger concern with me for him planning on him as a as a building block of the offense than the fumbling I think the fumbling I think he'll he'll figure that out I think they'll work on him uh, on that but uh, I want to see him stay healthy you know I I think I've said before you know Deuce Staley used to we used to have these things with Deuce Staley where Deuce Staley would insist that Miles Sanders could be a uh, you know a a number one uh, you know 20 carries a game kind of back. And I've never seen that happen because he's never been healthy enough to be a 20 carry a game kind of back. And that's what I really want to see from miles. Uh, And it'll be interesting to watch miles this week. You know, he gained a lot of yards last week, even though he was rusty. And even though he did put the ball on the ground Uh, this week, it doesn't look, they're going to have Jordan Howard. So, uh, you know, you'll probably see a lot of miles against the giants. Miles in Boston Scott Mr Mr New York uh if if Boston could just play in in MetLife Stadium the rest of his career <laughs> he'd be headed for Canton yeah. you know uh Giants fans see him and think they're they're looking at you know uh uh Eric Dickerson or something <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know it's uh I, I do think Miles will have a big role this week and I I don't think the fumbling is going to be a huge deal
2: uh Jordan Howard is such an interesting player, Les, because he was left for dead. He admitted to us in the offseason that he wasn't getting any calls around this league when he was a free agent. The Eagles said, we like you, we'll bring you back, we'll give you an opportunity. I thought he had a good summer. I thought he played well in training camp, but you have these COVID rules which allow veteran players to be put on the practice squad. The Eagles probably rightfully so, smartly went that route. He gets his opportunity. He's really, really effective. I can't explain it, but they look better with him on the field than Miles Sanders, at least in a very, very short, small sample size. What do you make of that? And is his absence going to be a little bit bigger than people realize at this stage?
10: That's a that's a good possibility, John. You know, what I saw was a guy with very fresh legs in the middle of the season, which normally would not be the case, especially for a power yeah. back like Howard. Um, he said something about having lost some weight in, in between yeah. uh, seasons and gotten a little quicker, which I think was something he needed to do. You know, running back is such a weird position in the NFL now. There just isn't a lot of... Uh, the guys seem to be interchangeable sometimes. And he kind of got lost in the shuffle. He had those couple big years early in his career with the bears, came to the Eagles, got hurt, you know, kind of faded out of prominence, went to Miami, which didn't have much going on drifted out of there and back here. Uh, I think there are probably several guys like that around the league, frankly, that if you put them in the right position, they'd be very, very productive, but they're not, Like he doesn't, Miles Sanders can break off an 80 yard run for a time. Jordan Howard can't do that. You know, Jordan Howard also isn't a real good pass receiver, you know, so that limits his upside to a lot of teams. But he, between the tackles, Jordan Howard is effective and the Eagles block very well between the tackles. So, you know, I think it's a case of a guy being used in the right role in the right, you know with the right people around him and I'm not denigrating him or anything like that. When I say that, I just think it's a, he's a good guy to stick between the tackles and scoot for four or five yards. And, uh, you know, I think Boston Scott can do that too, but we're going to see, you know, when you remember the game where Miles Sanders got hurt, they were going to try to run the ball that day.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It's a Las Vegas game. Yeah.
10: Yes. And this is an illustration of what I'm talking about about the coaching staff. Their initial move was to stick Kenny Gainwell in there and try to run between the tackles with Kenny Gainwell, yeah. and that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Of course, Jordan Howard wasn't even available he wasn't, for that yeah. game on the practice squad, but instead of going to Boston Scott, they went to Kenny Gainwell, who was about what Devonte Smith was,
4: you know,
10: <laughs> and. Uh, you know, that was, I was yelling at the TV, you know, no, 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 he can't do this. Yeah. Uh, but that's what we were talking about earlier. The coaching staff kind of had to figure some stuff out here, Yeah, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, Boston Scott can be effective against the giants, but Jordan Howard, uh, I really, I'm so glad to see him back. He seems like a great guy and a real, you know, a guy who's really worked hard his whole career and, uh, You know, didn't deserve to be thrown on the scrap heap quite as early as he was, which is the real bugaboo of that position around the league.
1: True. and uh, Look at Le'Veon Bell. You know, where the hell is Le'Veon But but he's gotten his shots. He just, uh, it drops off. Sometimes the guys just drop off. And then, yeah, their shelf life is short. All right, speaking of shelf life, I need you to confirm or deny a rumor to me that when uh, the whispers started that Les Bowen might step away from the Philadelphia Inquirer, that Howie Roseman got in contact with you and wanted to sign you to a contract extension. Cause we know how he's good at that. He keeps good people around. They, they, they pick out people that they think are going to be part of the future and they get him signed to contract <laughs> extensions.
10: Did Howie ever reach out to you, Les Bowen? You know, he did not. However, <laughs> I the people's, uh, Howie did uh, call me, you know, when I when my retirement was announced and, you know, talked a little bit about, you know, you did this a long time and uh, we'll miss you and all that good stuff. Uh, so that was very nice of him. And one more thing, if you hold on just one second, I didn't know we were going to get to this. But uh, okay. so I'll be right back.
1: Uh, all right, Les Les Bowen. I think I think Les is
2: going to bring a game ball. Oh, I you think, think so?
1: Is that what your bet is?
2: That is my bet.
1: I'm guessing he's coming back with a Howie Roseman autograph.
2: I'm going uh, Mc- game ball. Oh, it, game
1: ball McMullen's yeah. right again.
2: Yeah. I know, and when I leave, I know I'm not getting the game ball that much. <laughs> <laughs> but I had 19 years. I mean, yeah, but, I know. Yeah. Uh
10: I can't say I had brown hair when I started covering the <laughs> Eagles, but I had more
2: hair. More hair. Uh, yeah. now, well-deserved. Uh, 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 it, but the problem it is very- they didn't come. Now, the problem is, Les, that that you're working for the Associated Press now, that they tried to take the ball back and say, oh, you're still going. We'll, we'll take this back and wait a little bit longer.
10: Yeah, it is a little weird. You know, I'm there one day a week, and uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, it, I, it's great for me because I enjoy being down there with you guys. It makes it less abrupt, you know, in terms of I still see the people that I'm used to seeing on a once a week basis, but I'm not really working hard. You know, (laughs) Uh, I miss going to the games though. I'll tell you that I, I miss the press box. I don't miss the press box food. Uh, but I, I miss the press box. I miss the camaraderie there and just being able to see the game from that perspective. I was at the game in Denver as a fan, uh, not really as a fan, but in the stands with the fans. And in fact, uh, look forward to uh, the Inquirer is publishing my story about that. I went to the game with my sons. I'd never been yeah. to a, my two sons and sat in the stands uh, before, you know, because I was always covering the game. And I feel like most fathers and sons in, in Eagle Land have had that experience. And finally, we did in Denver. I have a son who lives in Denver. And so the other son and I and his wife uh, flew out there and we got tickets and went to the game. And it was a heck of a thing. Well, we're glad you had a good time. Now, sitting in the
1: stands, you didn't get a contact tie in Denver, did you? They, they they have some uh, less than restricted laws. that No, I'm
10: only kidding.
1: Uh, Les, Did great really? stuff.
10: I hadn't <laughs> heard that, Judy. And and my son certainly wouldn't know anything. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Les, good stuff. We'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. Thanks for jumping on with us today, bud. Thanks, Les. That's Les Bowen. He went to the game. boy. you knew that when you had that one sniffed out, McBowen. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll get you your game ball. You got to hang for another couple
7: of years. Yeah, I but think.
2: Well, go. I think Marty got a game ball too. Uh, Did he? Oh, yeah. that's right, because he went nationalized. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll never be getting a game ball. Yeah, exactly. I'm not getting, hey, I'm
0: Howie, not
1: you can at least send me a text a for ball. reminding you to get the DJ Edwards thing done. Yes, that would be nice, Howie. Yeah. Just. Text low with call, a low mark thank you with. call.
2: Say, you yeah, know, maybe this is something you he should get all, done. all
1: I need is the thumbs up emoji. That's all I'm looking for, Howie. Don't have to go long winded on me or whatever. Just a thumbs up emoji saying, and then TJ in parentheses thereafter, and I'll be perfectly fine. Don't eat a game ball, Mr. <laughs> Roaster. All right, uh, McMullen and McDonald coming back to put a bow on the show here on birds 365. Uh,
6: Messen Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
7: On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
4: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game.
0: Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
4: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass.
3: Free.
5: You're telling me that bottle is cut in half?
3: You could say that. Coming down
1: to home stretch of Street 65. get together. tomorrow it'll uh, Tomorrow it'll be Jeff Kerr In Johnny Stead, he's got uh, COVID testing and the like. Um, But uh, we're off on Thanksgiving. We'll be back on Friday to get you prepped for the Giants coming up. I mentioned this earlier, uh, and I just went on VegasInsider.com. Almost every outlet you see has the Eagles a a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Giants. I don't know if it's more because the Eagles have been impressive their last two weeks or the Giants' offensive line is such a sieve that no one can uh, make an argument. Yeah, I,
2: to I, I, them at the I'm time. surprised it's not more. You might want to get in at that number if you want to bet the game because I think now that everyone has seen the Giants play on Monday night standalone game, they were like, oof, oof, this is it, bad. It may so. very well go up. I think you're on to something, Johnny Mack.
1: All right, so what, uh, what do you got down at the – eaglesville today is coordinator day coordinator
2: day michael clay shane Steichen, and the main event always our boy jonathan Your gannon boy, jg uh who uh, will he be uh uh g- give me uh
1: facial hair predictions on the coordinators
2: oh because always Nick- clean shaven jonathan gannon come on right. always uh, you'll get a big happy Tuesday from Jonathan Gannon. Shane Steichen will have a nice uh stubble going. Michael Clay is, yeah, pretty clean shaving as well. Because
1: okay. yeah, Nick Nick did no shaving over the weekend, he's running now, out. He's uh, got the full
2: beard now. Well, right. it's getting cold out now. You need it now. You need it. Do you think he
1: goes, uh, hockey sentiment? that the eagles have won back-to-back games first time in a while
2: they've won yeah, back-to-back yeah i think you're on to something there yeah, yeah I, I, I think, think he's, he's got the playoff beard going
1: yeah i think the playoff beard is only going to get bigger if they can yeah,
2: beat the I giants agree.
1: and the jets and the all of a sudden he's going to start looking like he's he going can to be come
2: in. yeah he's going to come uh uh he's going to come out of uh the bye week looking like grizzly adams yeah it's easy top perhaps uh mm. for uh mr Gannett.
1: all right uh partner Uh, may you test uh, negative again tomorrow. You'll be on with us uh, early in the show uh, to start with JK, and then I'll uh, catch you back here on Thursday with us, all right?
2: Yep. Uh, Thanks for holding down the fort, Jody.
1: We'll do that tomorrow. We'll get it done. We always do. Uh, I don't even know. We're up to show 167. Somewhere thereabouts, we get it done for you every single day. Thanks for tuning in here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, Birds 365. We'll be back in 22 hours.
9: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen